the doctor, Jeremy, talks. That's right, the one and only Jeremy Cox. Star of our very first documentary, DFL Before DNF. The reason that I got into trail running. My name is Josh from Borderlands Trail Running. And I'm here because I love it, but I didn't know that I could love it until I met a guy named Jeremy Cox who was planning to run the Wasatch 100 and I just couldn't believe what he was going to do. And I paid attention. After about 10 years of being a friend of his, I'm still blown away by how he can just bear down and keep going. In the face of pain, in the face of everything telling him to stop. So we did the doc, and now I want to talk to him more. So this is the DFL Before DNF podcast, inspired by the great Jeremy Cox. Jeremy Cox was the subject of our documentary by the same name, DFL Before DNF, because what I witnessed in 2019 as a, as a mere pacer of Jeremy's made me think that even though I had been fully engaged in the sport for three or four years, five years at this point, the uh, wild endurance, effort of endurance that I, had, that I saw in Jeremy that year uh, was something that's still unmatched to this day because that, that was the year that you kept going even after the finish line had been torn down. And so we made a documentary about it, super inspiring, uh, if I may say so myself. Uh, and so I wanted to bring you in on episode three of Trogrit. Trogrit is uh, a, a four-episode docu-series for me of, of I'm going back to the 100-mile distance. I don't have a lot of luck with it. I'm literally the worst 100-mile runner in the country. I haven't, I've yet to find my match. One out of eight. <laughs> I finished once out of eight tries. Uh, and maybe one or two DNFs are justifiable. The rest of them are debatable. Um, so I'm looking to understand from runners like you, other runners I'm, I'm interviewing for this, this uh, documentary and for this season of the podcast, of how do you keep going? That was the question of the documentary we did together. How do you keep going? But more than ever, I'm interested in that question because I want that finish. That finish means something to me. So before we go into that, let's talk a little bit about Jeremy Cox, the human. <laughs> okay. Who are you? Tell, tell us about who you are. Uh, what what do you do? I mean, that sounds like an existential question. Uh, so only to you professionally, I'm, um, I'm a data nerd. Okay. Uh, so I always have been, I guess, 20, 20 or so years of, uh, doing data analysis, making pretty pictures with data, building mathematical models, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, detour into research and academia. But uh, I think I'm a pretty, I don't know, nerdy guy. Mo Why most do you facets. think, because uh, our first interview was with Elsa, and her degree was in engineering. And earlier today, we talked about Davy Crockett, who's some type of engineer. And you're an engineer. Is there, do you think there's something about engineering and ultra running? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely lots of problems that you're solving. Oh. You're sort of constantly oh. 
thinking about your nutrition, your stomach, your feet, your shoes, the mm. terrain, what's coming up in the course, yeah. how much elevation is in this next section, mm-hmm. how hot's it going to be, what did I put in my next drop bag? Yeah. I think there's just a lot of problems. I mean, I, I, I don't think that means an artist wouldn't be good at this. I think sure. there's lots of people that appreciate <laughs> beauty and music and nature. But Yeah. Okay, so you're a, you're a data guy, engineer type. What was your introduction? Because my introduction into the world of ultra running was when you handed me Unbreakable on DVD. Yeah. <laughs> no less. In maybe 2012. Back in the old days. Yeah. It was literally on DVD, and you said you should watch this because I was starting to, I was intrigued. You had just tried, maybe you had just run Wasatch, or maybe you were leading up to it, and you handed me Unbreakable, and I was like, oh, God, I love it. What is, because anytime someone asks me what got me into it, I always say, when Jeremy Cox handed me Unbreakable, What's your version of that? I mean, so for me, it probably even goes back to when I was a kid. Um, It was uh, the CBS Wide World of Sports (laughs) showed the 1986 or 87 Ironman World Championship. Mm -hmm. And this was was a year that um, Rick and Dick Hoyt did it together. And and, uh, Rick Hoyt, is the son, Dick Hoyt's the father. Rick was born with uh, oxygen deprivation. A cord was wrapped around his neck. And so he uh, basically didn't have function of his body. Very mm. smart mind, but his you know, body just wasn't functioning. And uh, Rick, or excuse me, Dick, the father, had been a smoker. And at some point he ran with his kid in a 5K in a stroller. And the kid loved it. He, you know, he could write. And so he said, like, I really felt like I was running because it was one of those, you know, three-wheeled strollers. So he's out in front. And uh, Dick started doing marathons. They're from Boston. Uh, yeah. So they'd done Boston, yeah. like sub-three-hour oh Boston marathons. With a stroller. Yeah. Wow. And then at some point, they move into Ironman races. So he's okay. doing a 2.4-mile swim, t- towing this Sevlor raft no with Rick in it. And wow. then he carry him through transition he wouldn't have anybody help him he'd carry him put him in the basket of this you know ungodly heavy bike bike 112 miles through hawaiian lava fields and then (laughs) and then run a low three-hour marathon in the hawaiian heat Mm -hmm. and i watched this uh i guess i would have i would have been like 11 or 12 and i just thought I want to do that. But I, I simultaneously thought running a marathon was impossible. Yeah. Let alone doing it, you know, in that capacity. Yeah. So I started running so I could do triathlons. Mm. I, I had no intention of doing ultras. And then somewhere in the, you know, build up to doing my first Ironman, I started reading, you know, the Born to Runs and listening okay. to the uh, trail running podcasts. And What year was, would that have been? Uh, probably like 2007, eight, okay. somewhere in there. What, what trail running podcast would have been? So there point? was one out of, uh, Kansas, I think called endurance planet. Okay. Um, I don't even know how many of these are still around. Uh, that one was a couple of guys that would do like, like they would talk about, uh, putting drywall screws through their shoes, through the soles of their <laughs> shoes so they could run in the yeah. Kansas winter. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like picturing a bunch of guys running through slightly rolling yeah. uh, wheat fields, but they talk about these six and 12 hour races, which, mm. 
you know, at the time I'm still thinking like a marathon is ultimate. Yeah. I mean, I, I did my, I did my first 20 miler and thought I shattered both my legs. Like I was in so much pain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was sort of, sort of interesting to get to the point where I could conceive of signing up for a hundred miler. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the, the wild, wide world of sports too. I think they did a feature on Leadville. I think oh, interesting. At, at one point I could be wrong about that, but the, so you would say the singular, if there was a singular moment, you watched that wide world of sports and thought, I want to do something like big and challenging. I mean, it, it, it sort of, it sort of hit me that like this thing I see as possible, uh-huh. this guy's doing it and he's making it even harder on himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I'd read um, yes. Dean Carnazzi's, uh, I think it was called, um, uh, it was either Marathon Man or the... Ultra Marathon Man. Yeah, or the yeah. other one where he yeah. talks about like hallucinating at Badwater. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, just like 135 miles, yeah. if, if 26.2 seemed impossible, 135 seems Martian. Yeah. You know, it's just not something humans do and then you run on the white line through Death valley <laughs> so your soles of your shoes don't melt yeah i mean it's just inconceivable it's yeah. that one's still maybe a little inconceivable to me yeah yeah that's insightful that the wide world of sports that guy dragging his son that that was like something that was hard that he was voluntarily making it harder that's such a good if you reduce ultra running all the way down to it's like <laughs> basics, like running is hard and now we're going to run a hundred miles. That's harder. And you're going to do it through back country yeah. where you've got elevation and heat and unknown weather. And yeah. So what, what was your journey? I know your first hundred miler was Wasatch. Your journey leading up to that was filled with Ironman or at least Ironman equivalent distances. Right. Well, talk about that journey. Yeah. So I did. Um, I did my first Ironman in. Uh, I'm blanking on the year, but I want to say it was either 2012 or 13. I did my first marathon in 2008 or 9. Okay. It was the Eugene Marathon, which is more or less flat, and um, it completely destroyed me. Yeah. I had to back downstairs for you know, a week afterwards, like, like, uh, happens to a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, it was a four, a four sixteen marathon and I was about one fifty five at the half. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that just tells you how much I blew up, uh, at yeah. the end. So my first, um, my first Ironman, it was in Lake Havasu. It was not an Ironman event. It was a um, hits, which is a smaller promotion, but okay. it was a great, but Ironman great event. Yeah. 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 Um, I felt pretty good. It was hot. I ran well. I biked well. I mean, everything went according to plan. Uh, I didn't. F- I didn't feel exceptionally beat up afterwards. Um, and I kind of. I'd kind of already had a little bit of interest, so I. I knew once I did that, you know, I. I wasn't really going to go for a double. Mm-hmm. Uh, a double Ironman. So I. Yeah. I thought I'd. I thought I'd explore the next. Um, that would have been November. Yeah. That next summer, I th- I was uh, with a buddy on the Wasatch board, and they, they had a section where you could request pacers. Mm. So a friend of mine and I, we were just going to find somebody to pace 
some random poor soul. Yeah. Uh, I ended up meeting a guy at a softball game who was going to run. And so I volunteered and I don't know that he was, uh, necessarily in need of a pacer or anything, but you know, we show up, uh, my friend, Brian, he paces from mile 50 to Brighton. And then I pick up from Brighton to the finish. And I mean, one, I think if you jump in pacing someone at mile 75, yeah, you're like, my God, this is easy because mm. you're hiking more than you're running and it's beautiful and you're feeling fresh and sure. the aid stations are so much more fun than a marathon aid station. And so you're really enjoying all of it. Uh, so we, we finished that. My, my buddy finished, um, we finished that. And then I signed up for, uh, uh, the Buffalo 50. That was my first okay. official ultra. Yeah. Uh, I signed up for, I put in for Wasatch and mm-hmm. drew in for that year. Yeah. Uh, I think I did Kachina Mosa yeah, 100K all, yeah. all in the same year. Yeah. Um, this was 2013 or 14? Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, the old course, the old Wasatch yes, start, I should mention. With the, I guess like chin scraper. Yes, chin scraper. Yeah. So uh, back, back when we had a tough start to the race. <laughs> in my day. On my, on my two DNFs of Wasatch, that felt plenty tough without chin scraper. So I can't imagine a chin scraper I course. Mean, yeah, I don't think it matters, but gosh. I mean, it's like 3,500 feet in the first, what, four miles? Yeah, the fact that it sucks is the only thing that's guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, okay, so you do that first 50. Do you remember how you felt about that first 50 knowing also that you had a hundred coming you've only done a marathon to that point what was that first 50 like yeah um so uh curiously it was the only race i've lost a toenail uh mid-race no 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 okay after (laughs) after i so i started off same buddy he he also signed up for it I'd, i'd spent the night at his house in syracuse so we were closer to the start it was sort of it was the like 5 a.m start yeah and I was talking to him at the start line. And if you if you know the Buffalo course, you start with a, a pretty gentle but long uphill. Yeah. And because I'm talking to him, I'm running up this hill. And I hadn't been running hills, really. Yeah. And I knew when I got to the top, I'd, I'd probably screwed myself. Hmm. Uh, by the time I got to Elephant Head, so we're not even 10 miles in, and I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm feeling being a little tired in my legs uh we do the 20 mile loop and then it the course i think gets really boring after that first 20 mile section yeah, agreed and so the the whole way down to uh the ranch prairie yeah yeah past prairie to the ranch i'm just thinking like oh my god i am going so slow yeah and I'd, i you know like uh you mentioned this um before dead horse about setting all these crazy unrealistic goals. <laughs> yeah. I'm going in thinking like, yeah, nine. Why if not? things go yeah. bad, 10. <laughs> and now I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, I'm not even sure I'm going to break 12 <laughs> on a flat, <laughs> flat 50 miler. Yeah, um, I did. It was like 1130-ish. But <laughs> Nice. That, that was 1130 on that 50? Yeah. Okay. Uh, as I'm coming back towards the finish, it's, it, was, uh, it was a section where you're on a gravel road. Mm-hmm. 
and there's a um, a buffalo crossing the road in front of me. And uh-huh. I, I think the year before, somebody had gotten smashed yes, by a buffalo yep. into a, a fence. Yep. And I'm seeing this buffalo, and I'm like, oh god, if he charges, my turn. I can't run. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally <laughs> can't run. So I turn I turn behind me to see how far the next runner is. Yeah. And I just waited for him. <laughs> and then, like a coward, I. I made sure they were between me and the buffalo. They're not even paying attention. They're just sort of doing the old man shuffle. Yeah. But I'm like using them as a human shield to avoid <laughs> avoid this uh, buffalo. It was yeah. probably my most shameful moment Mo- of ultra, ultra running. <laughs> yeah. All right. So you, you finished that. That would have been in like what, March or March, so? Yeah. And then you've got Kachina Mosa, the super iconic. Though, even though there's not a lot of runners that run it, I still think of it as iconic. And I don't know if it's because of how old it is or if it's because the race director, but down in Utah County, it's just a beast of 100K. Yeah, I think the um, – so it's uh, early August. Yeah. And they do a 3 a.m. start to sort of get you through some of the elevation before it gets real hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is like a 1 a.m. start if you're feeling like you're going to be slower. Yeah, I did that. Um, but uh, – yeah, I mean, it just, it had some monster, monster climbs. Mm. They felt monster. You're just yeah. completely exposed. Because it's like 18,000 feet over a, uh, okay? I, I think John maybe overstates okay. the elevation. As race directors did prior to the, like, the Garmin era. Yeah, I mean, Phil <laughs> Phil Lowry, local legend Phil Lowry, yeah. tends to keep people pretty honest on I their like that. distance and elevation. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's probably, like, low teens. Okay total but it, i mean it's it's tough the heat is i think the the that's real challenging part yeah. yes that's brutal there's an aid station there um i'm blanking on the name of the aid station but it's an aid station where you climb up a hill there's no roads to it but there there's a table and snacks and water mm-hmm. and you realize like as you're coming up everything up there somebody had to hike in people had to carry it up the hill and it's um, and it's run by a, a recovery group, oh, and it's yeah. a, it's a group that does uh, mainly like uses endurance sports as yes, a part of. Their I wish recovery. I could remember what it was. I remember chatting with one of the guys. He told me what it was, and I was really compelled by Dude, it. Dude, it's it's so cool because you. I mean, you're like, you're really dragging by the time you get there, yeah. and man, those guys make you feel really good about life. They do. Yeah. Yep. And then you know it's literally almost all downhill after that yeah i uh i timed out at kachina so they they forced me mm-hmm. to they wouldn't let me back out sometimes i go real slow i don't think that's a dnf by the way what is that it's a timeout <laughs> <laughs> yeah i timed out it's a, I, I i've had a couple timeouts <laughs> i think a timeout is better than a dnf yeah yeah <laughs> i agree because they told me to stop yeah, yeah. you didn't have a choice you right. would have kept going, maybe. Hundred percent. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. So your your hundred mile finishes are Wasatch, Zion, and Buffalo. Yeah. Are there any moments? Because this is this is where like that this series of podcasts and this episode three of Trail Grit is purely selfish for me. Is that I'm really like let, let's assume that I get the volume of miles that I need, which is you know is is no guarantee with three kids and, you know, lots going on in personal life. But let's assume I get the volume that I need, and on race day, my body could go 100 miles. 
I'm trying to figure out what's what's left other than just like grin and bear it, you know, to finish. There's I, I've DNF'd. There's only one in retrospect that's like, yeah, I made a 100% made the right call. There was some rhabdo and gout. I couldn't get past the gout, and it turned out there was also rhabdo. That's the only one I don't question. Yeah, I don't know what those mean, but I, I assume they're serious. And they're, you're probably right. They're li- rhabdo serious. I didn't have a, like, it's like, it's a kidney function thing. I just know, I think the lunch lady in Adam Sandler's song had the gout. She had the gout. That's yeah. right. Gout is, is, and that sounds serious. Is uric crystals that gather in the bottom of your feet because of gravity and they go down and it just hurts really, 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 really bad. Yeah. And it runs in my family. My dad had it. But on those three races, is there a moment that you can like clearly recollect that you wanted to quit and you didn't, and why? I don't think there's like a necessarily a single moment. I probably Zion would be the only one where I didn't feel like, uh, why am I doing this? Really? Yeah, I mean, and so Zion, I think the reason was because I had so much time. Mm. Like I, I, you know, I I could have, I think if I could have ran the last 30 miles, even at a 15 to 20 minute pace, I would have been sub 30. Hmm. Um, it was going really well. Yeah. We, so for context, we ran those first 50 miles together and I, yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear you recollect that. I do recall looking back and thinking that those first 50 miles were great and pretty quick 50 miles. Yeah. And, and you know, that course I think is. A pretty gentle one it doesn't mm-hmm. beat you up a ton mm-hmm. um it's not overly hot it's nice yeah. scenery yes uh so i honestly like even even when you even when it sucks you know you can just walk to the finish yeah it doesn't require anything other than not quitting yeah all right one thing we have in common is that we both have three kids both have a wife true true when i'm out there there are there are things though, like even if I think, okay, yeah, you know what? I could just walk it in and I'll make it. I, I have trouble. I mean, I think about my kids. I think about my wife with the kids, like, and your kids are older than mine, but maybe at the time they weren't terribly older. I really struggle with, uh, you know, leaving my kids totally to my wife Mm. while I'm out doing, what am I doing? I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how to characterize it. I'm trying to run 100 miles. What is that all about? And then my wife's doing this very practical thing of being with the kids. Was that ever a thing for you? Um, I don't I don't I don't think so. I'm I mean, I might be of a more selfish generation of <laughs> husband. <laughs> Let's uh, see. You no, were born in 76? 77. 77. Yeah. I'm born in 83. We're not too far off. My wife was born in 83. Okay. No, I I don't I mean, I think I think when I started when I started running, uh, mm-hmm. I I did a lot of the training early in the morning, okay. so that I'd be home at nine or ten in the morning. Yeah, and even even a lot of my uh, long runs in the summer, at least at least back then, were early enough to where I'd be home by you know ten eleven. You're still contributing noon at the latest. Well, in theory. Right, and then you know, three p.m. rolls around, and you're like, "Hey, kids, you want to take a nap?" <laughs> With old dad, of course they don't. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think there was—I um, don't know—I just didn't feel 
I didn't feel that sense. And yeah. they, like, since my kids were little, uh, we've had a, a bag of cowbells and noisemakers, and uh-huh. we've gone and watched races and oh, okay. marathons and even 5Ks just as, like, a family of spectators yeah. for no good reason other than it's just what we've done. Yeah. So I, th- I think for my kids going to a race, there was always a uh, – it wasn't a departure from something we would have done anyway. Okay. It's just now it's me. Okay. And I would try to do things like I mentioned that 50 miler, you know, I drove up and spent the night with a buddy and then they knew when to come and see me at the ranch or whatever. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, the, uh, your family delivering you like a big Alberto's burrito. Yeah. Uh, at the ranch at Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. They, um, uh, yeah, they, they know I like, uh, burritos <laughs> during the race. So, yeah. But so, is there a moment in any of your 300 mile efforts where you th- where you would have said, "When I get to this next aid station, I'm gonna DNF"? Um, I mean, I think I've I think I've said it more as a expression of what I'm feeling rather than this is something I'm going to do. Yeah, I, I've never really said I'm going to quit. I've said I've wanted to quit. So even at Antelope, the very last aid station, yeah, I you know I'm like getting I'm. I'm pretty down, tearing up a little. And I tearfully said to my wife, like, I don't want to finish. Right. And, um, you know, she's, she's not the type to coddle. (laughs) So she says, you know, something like, yeah, you can quit. You just quit in five miles. Don't quit here. (laughs) Yeah. Quit quit at the finish line. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, who quits at the last aid station? (laughs) I mean, I'm sure if you quit at the last aid station, there are really good reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's legit, legit reasons. That's, that'd be a hard one to recover from if you quit for bad reasons. So are you saying that you never legitimately entertain quitting? I mean, it's probably like, it's probably like if someone asked, do you ever think about getting divorced? Mm. You'd probably be like, I think about what it's like to not be married, but I'm not, I'm not going to take the action to yeah. do that. That's... Okay. I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's similar. Wow. Yeah, everybody thinks about what if they, what if I got to the next aid station and they said, "Hey, you can't run anymore." I'd feel happy and relieved, <laughs> but I'm not going to cause that to happen. Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, and I think there's always, you know, I I've never repeated a hundred miler. Yeah, so this is my first year. I'm going to do Zion again. Yeah, this will be my first year doing one for a second time. Um, there, there's there's always a nagging uh, thing of like, well, I'd, if I quit now, I'd have to come back. Right. Because I wouldn't I wouldn't uh-huh. want it to get the last word, so I'd have to come back and do it again. And so, if you're running Zion for the second time, do you feel like I don't know? Oh, you know, that'll be yeah. interesting. That's why I chose an easier one to do for yeah. the second time. Yeah. Easier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's if it's not hot, I guess. It's still a hundred miles. It's still a hundred miles. So, I mean, uh, what's your advice for me? You've 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 seen you've had a front row seat to some DNFs yeah. of mine. Yeah, yeah. What what am I getting wrong? What could I do different? So I think, like we were saying earlier, when the times you know, I we'll we'll sort of we'll sort of ignore the rhabdo. Sure, the gout. Yeah, that's a unique one. Yeah, but we still have eight others we can talk about seven others seven yeah yeah so like 
I never, at least the races I've been at with you, mm-hmm. where you've DNF'd, I've never seen you at the finish line. Yeah. And so you make it really easy on yourself. Yeah. Like you, you know, it's going to be emotionally hard to watch people you are running with. Finish. Yes. Oh, I hate it. Absolutely. I did it once. I did. Yeah. I DNF Bryce once and I went to the finish line. And I was like, yeah, yeah. good God, this. Yes. Yeah, so you've, you've made it really easy. I can't look at this. And then like, um, every time, at least that I've heard about it, you're, you're gone before. Like I, at Zion's, uh-huh. we were running into the same aid station together. I do one little six mile loop and you're done and gone. <laughs> and you're not even in St. George for all I know. It, yeah. Who know, knows? Right. Yeah. I'm on a hurricane. Plane. Hurricane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I think like there are some things where like you should put yourself in a position to, if you quit, you got to carry all of it. Yeah. Ride, ride to a race with somebody who's going to finish. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. Like there's nobody with a warm car to pick you up and yeah. get you to a shower. Yeah. Like you've got to ask volunteers to take you to a campsite, which I did do that. Just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that. And then wrong. sleep. And then you got to sleep in a tent after your DNF. Yeah. To, I mean, Bryce 2017 was similar to that, but the, uh, the point is taken like, yeah, I give myself a way out. Yeah, I mean, everybody can, Yeah, right? Yeah, I guess everybody can. How how come you don't? How come so many people don't? I don't know. What is it? I mean, I think the other thing you should do is maybe maybe talk more shit beforehand mm. so that, like, now you've got some ego in it, too. Yeah. You know, you've been talking up your seven DNFs. Yes. What's what's eight of nine if, you know, you, yeah. you've already DNF seven of eight? Yeah. There's a, there's a guy in... Um, Oregon, who gave me that same advice. I think his name his name is Ryan Cotton, I believe. And I said, "What's your secret?" He said, "I talk a lot of shit before the race, to where if yeah. I don't finish, it's it's way worse than if I, uh, you know, than if I didn't talk the yeah. shit." Yeah, I mean, I think there's something there's something to that, right? You're yeah. creating the, the persona you want to be, and yeah. then now you've got to, you know, execute live and live to up it. to it. Yeah, but I mean. There have been several races, well, I can't think of, like, exactly, but you could have walked the rest of Zion's with me. Oh, of, uh, so, yeah, of... Was uh, that the Rabdo Gout one? No, that okay. one, So, the first one that we ran together, 2017, my greatest regret is that you and I didn't stay together because we had such a strong 50 miles, but then we had all these pacers lined up, and so we kind of just went off with yeah. our pacers. And no offense to my pacers, they were, you know, great men that I loved dearly who flew yeah. in from Florida and from Texas and all of these places. But we had such a good thing going. I just wonder what my, my uh, hundred mile life would be like if I had just stayed with you that year. And I think you ran off with Evan at that point or, and I ran off with a guy named Lee Mashburn. And I thought, ah, should have, should, we should have just stayed together. That was a solid first 50 miles. Yeah, it was, um, it was probably, I should go back and look at the split. I wonder yeah. if it's like one of my faster 50 milers. Yeah. And then the next morning I wake up and I'm like, Jeremy's still out there. And I was like, God damn, I should still be out there. I can't. And I remember Freeberg goes over to pace you and Caleb goes over to pace you. And I'm just like, oh, this is awful. Yeah. I should have probably gone and watched. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like, uh, I'm very confident in my ability to keep walking. Yeah. 
Why? How? Because walking's not that hard. I mean, you're, you're, you get bored. Sure. And your feet hurt. Yeah. And your stomach hurts. But, like, you can keep walking. But what compels you to keep going? I don't know. I That's mean, I'm, I, I haven't quit. Right. And I, I, I have a fear. The, the folks I know, um, it seems like they have this series of finishes, and then they have this string of DNFs. Yeah. It's, it's rare that you have somebody that has a string of finishes, one DNF, and then another string of finishes. Mm. And so I worry that, like, once you... Once you fill the car. Yeah, once you let yourself know how easy it is. Yeah. Then it, you know, then the next one is easier. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure this is true for lots of other things as well that I'm probably uh, not as good at. But so far, I've never felt the... I've never felt how easy it is to DNF, so... Yeah. I'm scared. I'm scared, too, honestly. To feel it, yeah. But I also sort of have it in my mind that, like... If I'm gonna if I'm gonna quit, it's probably gonna look like walking slow and timing out. <laughs> Which is, yeah. You know what I mean? Which I've yeah. walked slow and just have luckily not timed out. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't finished one of these strong. Yeah. So that's something I'm hoping to do this year. Well, it was fun to to run with you at Dead Horse this year. We both kinda got back on the saddle and you had a longer time off than I did, and you seem to have done a done a great job at yeah, Dead Horse. Yeah, but so here's here, here's something I think you should think about with Dead Horse because yeah. you had a you had a dog shit thirty miles. Yeah, and then it all turned around at mile thirty four or thirty six. Woke up. Yeah, yep. and so like you know like taking Zion as an example, not to sort of do too much woulda shoulda coulda on that yeah. one, but like for all you know, it could have gotten great at mile eighty. I know. And I think that's what you got to just keep reminding yourself whenever you feel bad. Like, yeah, so what? This too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. Or it doesn't, but like, it's not that bad. Right. You know, we have, we have healthy kids. We have four working limbs. Most of our faculties are still with us (laughs) for now. We've married out of our league. Yeah. Like life is really good. Yeah. And we're doing something that historically nobody would ever do except for survival. Yeah. We're doing it as recreation. Yeah, as pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And the worst it gets is I don't feel good. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, you know, when, when most of us quit, it's in the uh, 20 hour range, early 20 hours. That's right. So what? You suffer for 12 more hours. Yeah. Big deal. That's a good note to end on. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see you at Zion. So yeah. You're, you're running Rufa, the 24-hour Rufa here in Salt Lake City. Yeah. And then Zion. Do you have anything else? Uh, I'm doing the Ouch, the oh right, the the Grassroots Ochre Ultra yes, race. Yes, Joshua Landvatter. 12 hours of that. Um, uh, I I'm I'm back and forth on the Ute 100. Yeah. Uh, some folks were trying to convince me to take a shot at old dominion but um oh. so so old dominion has a i believe a 28 or 30 hour cutoff oh and that gosh. actually scares me more than yeah the other race i was considering at that same time is sold out it's the cruel jewel mm. 
which is a oh, 48 hour. Is that the Canadian race? No, it's in North Georgia. North Georgia, okay. But it's a 48 hour cutoff with 33,000 feet of climbing. And for me, I'm like, oh, 48 hour cutoff, I can finish that. Yeah. But 28 hours, I'm going to have to run Ooh. fast the whole time. Yeah, that's a lot of running. 48 hours, I just have to yeah. keep hiking. Yeah. Well, we'll see you out there. Yeah. Cool.